All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Tyler Bedson. Tyler, what kind of animal do you feel like right now? So, I feel very efficient lately. Okay. So, I looked up the most energy-efficient animal in the world, and okay. I feel like a jellyfish. A jelly... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I wasn't ready for that. Okay. Which, which leads me to a great story of my childhood. Okay. So this one time I went to Florida with my parents for uh, like a family vacation. Mm-hmm. And during this time we went to the beach and I remember I was out like pretty deep in the water and I had like a boogie board and, you know, I was floating. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I felt this sharp stinging pain on my feet on oh, both God. of them. So oh, I God. thought I was getting attacked by a shark. So I went, I was going crazy, like flailing out in the water, trying to get to the shore. And I get to the shore and I look down at my feet and I notice like, okay, they're both still there. But they were like, had all these weird white sting marks on them. Well, mm-hmm. it turns out I got stung by a jellyfish. Okay. Did you pee on it? my feet on the bottoms of them Did on you the pee? first day of vacation. So you didn't pee on it? Well, no, I, I figured out that's what they were supposed to do, but they put meat tenderizer and I think it was like vinegar on it or something. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Which is really odd. But like, I remember there was like a, a little beach guy that came up and he like sprinkled some, some like stuff on my feet and then sprayed them with like this squirt bottle. And I guess that was supposed to help, but I couldn't walk the rest of vacation. Oh my God. So I watched shark week for an entire week <laughs> in our, like our place. And while my parents went and did stuff, cause I literally could not move. That's awful. Yeah. It's awful. But jellyfish are apparently very energy efficient animals. So that's, that's good. The more we know, I'm, I have a, a beach foot story as well, coincidentally. Oh um, so I was obviously, I was in the Boy Scouts, right? And so I got to go to this high adventure camp thing called Sea Base, which was in Key West. And basically we paddled out to an island and lived on it for 10 days. And they just like sent us with rations and we had to survive for 10 days. I, I guess it's to build character. I don't know. And so you could only bring four things with you. And it was a hammock, uh, a pair of underwear, your swimming trunks, and like a pair of like water shoes or like, you know what I mean? Like shoes that you can wear like in the ocean or whatever. And so I brought, you you remember those like five finger shoes that the Vibram brand that used to be very popular, like they, yeah. they yeah, I remember glove. That. So I had those, right? And so I was wearing those. Uh, it turns out those aren't ideal for walking in sand as a lot of sand will get in them and sand is very abrasive. So by the end of this 10 days, my feet just looked like ground beef. They were completely destroyed. And so the, there was like a couple of, I guess, staff members that were on this Island probably for liability sake. And they were like, Oh dude, we're just gonna, we just need to duct tape your feet. So they just like duct taped my feet up so that I could like hobble around. And then my feet got like, infected from the glue from the duct tape so when i got back they were like you might go septic and so i had to like sit for like three days in key west and just soak my feet in like lie and i don't even know what else to try to like kill everything that had attacked my feet so that's my my beach foot story because i have one too well i'm just really happy that you didn't get stung by a jellyfish too (laughs) (laughs) dude i did listen to this so listen to this so we um we would have to like uh, anchor our, uh, canoes like 
uh, probably like a quarter mile out because obviously the tide would change so aggressively. And so by the time you got out to it, you're like neck height in water, like trying to wade out there. And so it was like very difficult, especially as a, as a young chubby boy to like heave myself into the canoe and something like, this is like the last day, something swam by and brushed my feet and I looked down and it was a stingray. And I said, Oh, Steve Irwin could no. And so I launched myself with all of my might and like, I swear, like I probably went 15 feet in the air before I apexed and then landed in that canoe. So I almost stepped on a stingray. I don't know which one's worse. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't want to find out either. No, 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 no. I. Well, Dana, what do you feel like today? So I'm feeling pretty energetic, pretty obnoxious today, and I feel like a white bellbird. It is the oh. loudest creature on the planet. It's. Screech reaches 125 decibels, which is equivalent to a firework exploding. Oh wow! It's louder than a than a it's, it's, jackhammer. It's funny because every one of the pictures of these online, all of them, their mouth is like wide open, like it's about to just like let it rip. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks like it's screaming in every picture. Yeah, so that's what I feel like. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta find a. a... A YouTube of it screaming. Their mating calls are very aggressive. Oh my gosh. That's a good one. Thank I'm you. Learning about all sorts of things. They have like little black things that hang down from their mouth. I wonder what those are for. I don't know. Just like a little hood ornament, you know? Yeah. I'd wow. Like to, I'd like to own one. Just have them scream at right. people for me. You ready for yeah. this? Are you ready to hear the world's loudest bird? It's coming. It says you. That was horrible. Did you hear that? No. I hope nobody else did either because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I put it up to the, the, the microphone. I guess it didn't. Nothing happened. It. Nothing happened. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we tried, guys. I'm sorry. Just go look it up for yourself. Yeah. Turn your volume down before you do it because it is it's, very loud. It has, it has a warning on the video. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, everybody, today, um, now that we've gotten our, our fair share of zoology to start, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about nutrition because we have obviously dove into the dieting side of things, but now we're going to dive into a few different topics surrounding like nutrient timing um, for those who struggle to gain weight, kind of some tips and tricks that we've learned along the way, um, and Training fasted. These are all questions that we've gotten. Like I've said before, we do appreciate all of you who reach out and ask us these questions as these are things that we do want to answer. So keep that in mind. If you want us to talk about anything, let us know. Um, so I guess we'll dive first into nutrient timing and kind of the importance of it. So if you want to run with that for a little bit, Ty Ty. So yeah, nutrient timing is in my opinion, one of the most important things that you can do to make sure you get better results. So nutrient timing is basically sending your food around certain times of the day where you're more active or where you're about to train to increase performance and lower the blood glucose spikes away from times whenever you're not as active. So for example, you know, I like to center a lot of my food around my training times. So, uh, Majority of the time, I'll do about 50% of my carbs for the day around pre and post workout, and maybe some an intra workout. And then I'll have a little bit less carbs around the times away from training or, you know, before I'm about to go to bed. The times where I'm more sedentary, 
I plan less carbs and a little bit more healthy fats rather mm -hmm. than. Mm -hmm. And then with that too, like we can talk about like what specific carb sources we use, right? Because yeah. I've seen people like eat oatmeal pre-workout, right? Which I personally would never do um, as it's slower digesting. There's obviously higher, higher fiber content too, because that's one thing that I do for myself. So I take the same approach as Tyler where uh, 50% of my carbs is pre, intra, and post. Um, and then around training. So I'll do a little bit of fats, healthy fats before I train to keep my blood glucose steady throughout the workout. Um, and then I keep my fats a little bit lower post-workout, but those two meals, I try to keep my fiber intake as low as possible to just ensure digestion yeah. is moving as efficiently as possible. But then further away from training, cause I usually train about midday. Um, so meals one and two and my last meal, I'm going to have a little bit more fiber. Um, usually either through like a fiber powder or through vegetables itself, again, because I'm more sedentary, I don't need, at that point I can, I can stand to have the fiber that I need in, in the day or slower digesting carbs as well. Yeah. So for example, like a, a pre-workout meal for me is one thing, like I try to make it a little bit moderate protein, mm -hmm. higher carb, and then a little bit more low fat. Yep. So example, like my pre-workout meal right now is about seven ounces of chicken breast, um, a cup of white rice, and then I do two fig newtons. Ooh, dude, I love you know, fig newtons. Holy which, shit. Yeah. Fig newtons are a good lost strategy. I, I call it the secret of bodybuilding. Um, but fig newtons are very low fat or you can get fat free ones. They've got, you know, about 10 grams of carbs per, so it's very easy to add in. Um, so that that's a good example or I'll do sometimes like a another easy digestion carb like cream of rice or mm. blueberry cream of rice with blueberries and some whey isolate and maybe a little bit of natural peanut butter. But you can get away with a lot more carb sources post workout in my opinion. That's one thing I wanted to talk about is because yeah. I think a lot of people with post workout they they always get surprised whenever I write their their programming and I include something like cereal or yeah. you know uh, I think of some other ones. Sorbet is one I put in. Um, candy, like, um, yeah. we're talking like, uh, more like sweet tarts or like gummy bears here. But you can get away with some of those type of things as it's more beneficial for recovery to have those fast acting carbs. But you could, you have to send those around like your post workout and times you were performing because if you did stuff like that, you know, they, the, the meal before you go to bed you're likely going to have more of a chance to store some fat because of the blood glucose spike. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I do too, like rice crispy treats or something I use very often in my clients plans, like pre or post workout, because again, it's, it's basically just rice and sugar. And that's like the two, in my opinion, two of the best things that you can eat around a workout within obviously within reason. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, like with my pre-workout meal, it's seven ounces of chicken breast, 180 grams of jasmine rice, 150 grams of pineapple or mango. So again, we're getting a, a, a moderate amount of protein, good amount of carbs, and then we're also getting the sugar from the fruit, but we're also getting the digestive enzymes from the fruit as well. So it's actually helping me break down the food a lot more efficiently during my workout. Um, so that's something that I love to use too. I use fruit. I, I think, and this is a topic we can go into, like there's really no case where you shouldn't have fruit in your diet. I don't care unless you're a week out may or two weeks out, maybe then, but like we kept fruit in my plan from yeah. the entirety of prep. 
So somebody told me a story this past weekend and I thought it was like really fucked up and I didn't know this, but there's like a coaching team and uh, I won't mention who they are, where they're from, but uh, they had a girl outside who was eating a banana outside the gym and they figured out that she was eating a banana. So they all centered around her car and they like scolded her and said, we don't eat fruit here. And then they like, punished her by making her do cardio while they yelled at her jesus christ over eating fruit can you text can you text me who this was a little later yeah but it was like (laughs) astonishing to me like i was like what the why did that happen and there's still coaches out there that really believe like fruit is bad for you and that it won't allow you to lose weight and like of course like Fruit's not good for you in like giant amounts. Like we don't yeah, want, yeah. you know, you to eat solely fruit all day. That's not healthy. Um, but having fruit in your diet, I try to keep in like two to three servings a day of fruit. Yeah, we've got we've got four different kinds of fruit in my plan right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and the, they all serve a different purpose. But again, like we've talked about before, if your body is micronutrient deprived, it's not going to behave. It's not going to operate the way that you intended to, right? Like yeah. again, we are trying to manipulate our bodies to do something that it doesn't really want to do. Like we're pushing beyond homeostasis, and so if you, we're already having to play a game of negotiation with our bodies, and then if you're going to add on like deprivation of any sorts, whether it's calorically or micronutriently, uh, your body's going to say, "Fuck you, man! I'm not doing what you want." It's just going to take a lot more work. So I don't I don't understand that notion, but it's the same types of coaches who think that like if you eat white fish, your skin will get thinner. You know what I mean? It's just a very outdated frame of mind. Yeah. So that that's what's crazy to me is like people think these these things. I don't know where they really learn them from. I think it's like a kind of like a a bro science bro science guru thing. Like somebody's mm-hmm. like, well, this is what you have to do, and that's not the case. But um. One thing I did want to discuss that I used to do wrong in the past is I remember I used to like eat my meal and then immediately after go train. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered like why I felt so sluggish. And it wasn't until I was about like a year or two into training where I learned like, oh, I need to let this food digest. So I always recommend to all my clients to wait around 60 to 90 minutes after their pre-workout meal to go train. Yep. Which that allows your food to digest a little bit and allows you to actually still use this energy. But I see a lot of go- people going to train and then they're feeling sick or they're feeling like they've got to vomit. And I'm like, well, you know, your food probably didn't digest here. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself some time before you go train, I think is very important, especially yeah. if you have an intra workout drink like for you, because that does help a lot with that performance during training. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and that's why a lot of times I'll tell people like I- I'm the same way, like an hour, hour and a half pre And then like, even sometimes, like even for myself, I'll do that and I'll still go walk on the treadmill for like five or 10 minutes before I get started too. Because especially if like some of these people are stim junkies, you eat that food and then blast a ton of stimulants. Like you should not, you know, I always see people making jokes about it. You shouldn't like immediately be running to the bathroom to shit your pants the second you get to the gym. Like that's not a good sign. That's a really bad sign. Like your GI tract is not in a good place if that's what's occurring every time you work out. Um, but it's like 
people don't realize like you eat food and it has to take, it takes time to process food, right? Obviously, yep. clearly. So people are like, oh, I got to eat this so I can go get a pump. It's like digest the food so you can get the pump that you're trying to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same with post-workout meal, dude. You know, we was talking about the anabolic window and all that shit. And I used to be the same way where I was like, oh man, I have to get the shake in like right now. And I would be having a shake before I'd leave the gym. And then I would feel, I would just feel miserable on my drive home. You yeah, know, it's like I, I just I just had a guy that started with me and he was like, do I need to drink the shake on the way home? And I'm like, immediately after I finish, I'm like, no, man, you can drive home your 10, 15 minute ride home and you can mm-hmm. prepare your meal. It could take you another 10 minutes to prepare your meal and you could start eating 30 minutes, even like 45 minutes after you're done training and you're still going to get benefits. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like immediately after you get done training. You can I, I've had times where I finished working out. I've taken a shower afterwards mm-hmm. and then I've made my meal. Or yeah. I make my cream of rice first. I let it cool down while I take a shower. And then, you know, I come back downstairs and I, I eat it. Yeah. It Nutrient timing. I think a lot of people forget that you can wait a little bit between certain things. You don't have to immediately eat. There's not a window where it's like that specific where it's going to make or break you if you wait a little bit longer to eat. Your body does know the difference between it being 44 minutes or 46 minutes post-workout. It doesn't matter like that. Yeah. But I'm the same way. Like I also pro tip, if you guys haven't done it, make your cream of rice and then freeze it. So I make my cream of rice. I put it in the freezer, go train and get back. But I drive 40 minutes to the gym. So I'll drive 40 minutes back home. I'll shower and then I'll eat. Because also for me, I usually don't have like a huge appetite immediately post-workout. Like I just yeah. don't. After, especially after having my intra and training, I'm it. I don't necessarily. I'm going to eat, of course, but like it's not like I'm ravenous to go eat immediately. So I don't care to wait 45 minutes to an hour to eat post workout. It's not going to bother me. I'm big on a shake post workout because I'm the same way, man. After I've done a hard training session, the last thing I want to do is go eat a big meal, especially yeah. in off season. So I do a lot of yeah. like a post workout. I'll do carbolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do like orange flavored carbolin, and then I'll do vanilla protein. And I'll mix those together and it just tastes like orange cream sickle. And yeah. you know, I can do as much as I want. Like I can make it 75 grams of protein and I can make it 150 grams of carbs if I want, or I can make it less. Yeah. But it's super easy to put down. And I've had a lot of clients I do that for them to help it make it easier for them to put food down rather than, you know, sitting there after a workout and eating, you know, 120 grams of cream of rice and a bunch of uh, solid food because sometimes that's just hard to do. It is. It is. And that kind of segues into us talking about like ways to put food down because like you're somebody who, and I say this lovingly, doesn't have the greatest appetite and takes 47 days to eat a single meal. Oh, dude. Like you, it is, it, it is almost comical to watch, but it's also because you're at peak body weight and your body's literally fighting you every like yeah. tooth and nail to get any f- amount of food in. And I've also, on the flip end, had to, you know, gain a substantial amount of weight after my my spurt with bulimia in 2016. So we've both had to learn how to make this as least miserable as we can, but it's still going to be kind of miserable. Um, yeah. so, so what are some things that that you have used that conventional and unconventional? Because I think they're both important to talk about. Dude, I, I could go on a list here, but I think one of the weirdest things I did back when I was trying to gain weight was at night before bed, I would um, buy Ben and Jerry's mm-hmm. ice cream 
and like a pint of it and I would warm it up in the microwave and I would drink it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and don't uh, any of my clients listen, don't do this. You'll get fat. I got very fat. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing I thought to do and I gained weight. I had struggled to gain weight, but you know, it made me gain weight, but it was not a lot of clean weight. Um, yeah. There was what other things I do. I used to eat almonds between every meal until I had my next meal. Yep. Yep. Back in college, I would, I would, my mom would take me to a uh, Sam's club or Costco to get like big things of bulk food for me to eat in my dorm room. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we would buy was almonds. And it was like this, like couple pound bag of almonds. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, I would probably, I would just sit there between classes and do my homework and just eat almonds. I would probably eat, I'd say like 200, 300 almonds a day. Holy shit. So you really think about that. That's probably like 150 grams of fat of almonds. Holy shit. <laughs> and oh that's, that's what I would do to put on size. And it yeah. was like, and I look back at some of this stuff and I'm like, oh my God, that was horrible. Why did I do that? But yeah. I gained weight. <laughs> Listen, I've done, I've done, every, so I've done a, a lot of different things. Cause like I said, I've, I've lost a hundred pounds, gained it back, lost it again, more or less kind of gained it again over the last few years. Just obviously a little bit better this third time around. Um, so a few that come to mind. So I used to do, I used, so I used to wait tables and bartend, right? So I'd get like, I was like 18 years old, 180 pounds. I'd get like 25, 30,000 steps a day. Cause I would work doubles like every day. Cause I was broke. Um, so I'd get home at like 3 a.m. and I would go and I would, it would be like, and don't do this guys, please. But I, cause I didn't know any better. I would do like of an entire carton of liquid egg whites and like a pint of Ben and Jerry's and like a dozen Oreos and like five tablespoons of peanut butter. And I would blend all of this, whatever else I could find in my parents' pantry. And I would drink this shake every night and then just like be bloated and fart and everything else all night long. I mean, it's horrible for my digestion. I did that. I've done the gallon of whole fat milk every day. I used to bring a gallon of whole fat milk with me to school every day and I would drink it. I would do a peanut butter sandwich in between every class during high school as well. Um, another one after I transitioned out doing the shake, because I used to, I, by the end of it, I would vomit almost every time, which like obviously is counterintuitive and counterproductive. So I would get like lethally stoned and I would go into my parents' pantry and I would grab a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter and a jar of jelly. And I would sit in my room and eat an entire loaf of bread's worth of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every single night before I went to bed. I would just like, until I passed out basically in the bed with just, I'd wake up, there'd be crumbs and just the remnants of the chaos that I just, you know, endured. I would do that. I've done like one thing that's actually worth doing that I think is conventional. And I've done it for some of my athletes. I would drink two apple juice boxes after every meal. And I still do this sometimes. I haven't done it recently, but I would still do it. So reason being, you've heard the the saying, there's always room for dessert, right? Mm-hmm. So fructose actually helps expand the stomach, right? So that's actually like a legitimate thing. Sugar will help expand the stomach. There's actually always room for dessert, literally. So I would drink two apple juice boxes with each meal because I would feel less miserable after my meal because it would help expand my stomach a little bit and that's also 50 grams of carbs that are anybody can smash an apple juice box right so i would do that's an extra 50 grams of carbs for five meals it's extra 250 grams of carbs extra thousand calories a day very easily um i'm trying to think of what else i i've done some pretty stupid shit to try to gain weight 
back when I worked at the smoothie shop, uh, God, this is like 10 years ago now. We used to have this shake, and it was called the Cookie Monster. Ooh, yes. And I remember, like, we'd have the young kids come in, like the high school kids, and they'd be like, how can I gain weight? And I'd be like, just order these Cookie Monster shakes post-workout, and you will gain some weight. But the <laughs> Cookie Monster shake was literally like, um, what was it? It was whole milk, ice cream, vanilla or chocolate ice cream, oh like gosh. six Oreos, um, it had like two, two or three scoops of vanilla or chocolate protein in it, and then we would put a Carbo Max, which was like a maltodextrin carb. Oh my god! And then it's like Nesquik. And then we would blend this, and I mean, it tasted delicious. And it was, I think, we calculated it out, and it was like fifteen hundred calories for the shake. Jesus! And we had so many people ordering these, and a lot of them people that probably didn't need to be ordering them. Yeah, but. I yeah. mean, it, it was a great strategy. And to this day, for some of my younger kids and like even guys are just struggle to put on weight, I will use a formula like that where I'll tell them to like eat some uh, ice cream and Oreos and blend it up with some protein at night. It and works. It, it works. It's like, and I hate to say this to some, but I come from super skinny genetics. Like I'm, I started in high school at 98 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's what I was started out when I was like, 17 18 years old when i started lifting and really getting into this mm -hmm. so it took me a lot to gain weight like everything under the sun like i had to really work hard to even put on a pound a week yeah and you kind of have to do some unorthodox approaches whenever your body's built like that mm -hmm. and having a good coach that knows how to like implement those things and kind of get your mental set up where you're like, okay, I know this is beneficial can really help in those situations. Because if I didn't have somebody at some of those times to tell me like, Hey man, you should try this. Cause it works. I did this before when I was skinny and it helped me gain some weight. Yeah. And another thing is you have to gain some fat. You have to, you want to gain some muscle and a lot of occasions. And I think a lot of people get scared to get like out of shape when in reality, they're just becoming uncomfortable to get, the muscle they want. Mm -hmm. It's important, man. It's and like, listen, I've had to do it countless times. I've had to, and again, genetically, my body's kind of weird. Where like I was morbidly obese growing up, so I'm susceptible to gaining body fat quickly. But I've also been super skinny when I was bulimic. Like I have to find pictures to post. Like so, I've kind of been on the flip end of, of either side, and I've had to push the envelope before. Like I remember the off season that I did myself before I started working with you, I pushed my carbs up to like 1100 grams a day in certain cases. Right. Um, but, but another thing too, that, you know, I, I'd posted a story about it. So those perfect bars, you can find them at like Walmart and Kroger in the refrigerated section. They are the size of the palm of my hand and they are 350 calories a piece. And it's like the macronutrients aren't great, but it's all clean food sourcing. And I think that's an important thing to discuss too, is like, you've got to push some junk, but it's picking the right quote unquote junk that your body can still digest efficiently. Like we're not saying go to McDonald's, but there are certain things like granted it's it's stupid but like oreos are technically vegan right like <laughs> which which is ridiculous to even say but like using these tools like things that you wouldn't even think about right like one thing and, I, and i've got a, a meal plan pulled up from this guy jensen that i i'd written for him because he's like six foot three 275 pounds with abs and this dude comes from a skinny background and he was trying to push weight right he was eating these were his macros for the day 365 yeah. grams of protein, 1,335 grams of carbs, and 210 grams of fat in four meals, okay? Yeah. 
So I was working based off of what he had given me, right? Because I wanted food sourcing to somewhat stay similar. So it wasn't just like a complete 180. And another thing too, that we didn't even talk about with supplementation is using ginger root extract throughout oh, yeah. the day to keep your appetite rolling. So I'll have my guys do like 500 milligrams of that in between meals. So in between meals one and two and three and four in this case, um, okay. to help roll your appetite. Because I mean, there's going to be a level of force feeding, but if you feel hungry, it's a lot easier to put food yeah. down. Make, right? make sure if you if you try that strategy, guys, make sure it's the capsule version. We don't mm-hmm. need to go buy like actual, I've had people buy actual ginger root and try to like chew it. And I'm like, that sounds awful. That I don't um, even know it, why. You know, and with ginger root capsules, it is a very, very good natural appetite stimulant, mm-hmm. but you have to drink about eight to 10 ounces of water with it or else mm-hmm. it can cause some issues as far as like you'll, you'll start belching up things and you'll yeah. get acid reflux type feelings. Yeah. So make sure you drink enough water if you decide to take that. But it's a great strategy to get somebody more food in and actually make them hungry for their next meal. For sure. So like, here's, here's one thing that people, people need to look at, right? Like when you're trying to gain weight and obviously we're, we're pretty conventional with, okay, chicken and rice. Okay. Well, if you're trying to gain weight, why not use like 90, 10 ground beef and gnocchi? Gnocchi is like, I think one of the densest carb sources. It is literally potato starch rolled into little, beautiful little pillows of just pasta, right? It's like one of his meals because he was doing chicken and rice for one of his meals and I swapped it over to seven ounces of 90, 10 ground beef, 150 grams of gnocchi, 150 grams of pasta sauce, two tablespoons of olive oil. And like, if you looked at the, the, the difference in food quantity of those two, like pasta is dense, right? Like, especially in that source. So he went from eating what was like two pounds and filled up like two Tupperware bowls worth of chicken and rice to now one Tupperware bowl of pasta, you know, so yeah. it's kind of taking that approach of like, let's look at different food sourcing that's still clean, still easy for your body yeah. to digest, but is just denser, right? Like I wouldn't use potatoes in a, in, a, in someone's growing yeah. season because it's just so so much volume, right? Dude, I'm looking that's at like, uh, goes, like three cup, like when I get up to the two cup of rice, three cup of rice period, mm-hmm. that's wherever I'm really like, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing like two cups of rice and like, you know, eight to 12 ounces of juice, yeah, which yeah. is about the same, it means so much easier for me to eat. Mm-hmm. And it's getting the same benefit as where I'm trying to go with the results I'm trying to get. So there's a lot easier ways to do this stuff. I, I remember we talked about uh, when we were in Tennessee last, uh, I showed you the diet I wrote for uh, Ray Williams, the guy that has the world record for squat. <laughs> and insane. It shows you how absurd, though, people's food can get to keep weight on at certain periods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, for me to stay 210 pounds or so at five, four, I'm pretty miserable. Yeah. But for this guy, you know, he's close to 400 pounds. It was like, I remember you, you showing you the diet and we read it off and it was like, you know, he's waking up in the middle of the night to eat like pizza, hot pockets and drink some MRE light. And it's like, and it works, it works, it works, but it's like you to put on some size at certain points, it, it gets different. And I like to personally add what I call a spike meal. Okay. You know, and I've done this with you a few times. I've done this with a lot of different guys and girls where on Wednesday, instead of me increasing their food um, throughout the day on every day, I'll have them go get like, you know, three Chick-fil-A sandwiches and two large fries and a cookie or something like that from, you know, Chick-fil-A, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I found that strategy works a lot better 
for a lot of people than, you know, making them eat so much food every single day where the point where it's like they're struggling to digest, they're trying not to puke up every meal. That's where things kind of get mentally tough, especially for me, man. I, I, I get to some points where I'm eating a meal and I'm punching the table like, oh, my God, I wish I was done. Yeah. I've And I've seen some of your meals, man, where I'm like, good God, dude, even for me, like, and I can put food down. Like, I have no issue. You know, I've been a part of the Clean Plate Club since 97. But, like, it, there's still a moment where it's like, you're, there's there's no, again, like we've talked about, like, drastic change requires drastic change. There's going to be some amount of discomfort involved in this. And it's like our job as coaches to minimize that. But it's also like understanding it is it is a necessary evil in the sport. If you want to grow, you're going to have to force your body to do something it doesn't want to do. And that's going to involve a lot of chewing at the end of the day, you know. So it's like taking and it's again, it's getting back to these unconventional approaches. Like I'll use like Kodiak cake pancakes in people's plans, pop tarts, like juice, honey. Honey is one that I use in a lot of people's because yep. um, also it doesn't affect insulin sensitivity, which is like the coolest thing ever. Jelly you know, whatever I've even you like in Jensen's plan, I had like heavy whipping cream in one of his yep. shakes. That's that's one of the good ones, man. Cause heavy whipping cream is like, you know, a gram of fat per gram. I'm pretty sure. Per yeah. Milliliter. Yep. So, I mean, you can add 30 grams of heavy whipping cream or something and it's roughly 30 grams of fat, which that's one very easy calories right there. Cause you add it into a protein shake. You don't even know it's there. Do you want to hear his first shake of the day and the macros yeah. on it? It was the first shake of the day was 145 protein, 385 grams of carbs, and 55 grams of fat. Okay. And this is, again, based roughly off of what he was doing. I just changed some things around to make it slightly easier. Um, it was two cups of Fairlife chocolate milk, two cup, two scoops of serious mass, one scoop of whey isolate, 300 grams of uh, Greek yogurt, 40 grams of jelly, 40 grams of honey, 100 grams of banana, two double stuffed Oreos, and three fluid ounces of heavy whipping cream. Jesus. This dude, and this dude could put it down. He yeah, could yeah. put it down, right? So two of his meals in the day were shakes, and then he had a meal where he would go to Chipotle, and it was just – it was so much food. And then he had his pasta meal, and that's all he could do with the schedule because he was such well, a busy dude. That's the thing is you got to work around busy schedules. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you one of the biggest secrets to whenever you're getting this much food in and making sure that you're able to eat and you're actually still hungry is your water intake. Yes, and and that's one big thing I teach in the mentorship. Water is pretty much the key to everything. Um, if you are hungry all the time, it could be you are dehydrated and you need more water. Mm -hmm. If you are not hungry, it could be because you need more water. You're yep. not digesting your food well enough because you don't have enough water to push it. Um, if you are tired all the time, it could be water. It could be. Well, it <laughs> also is key. The thing is avoiding, like I've talked about before with digestion, avoiding guzzling a ton of water during each meal will help too, yeah. right? With well, in the same regard, if you're very hungry, drinking water during your meals can actually help. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true <laughs> so, uh, but again, it's an application of it, right? If you're dieting, yeah. but if you're trying to gain weight, like for me, I literally try to avoid any fluids during. So I will drink like 10 fluid ounces of water before my meal. Mm -hmm. I'll eat my meal. I'll go on like a five to 10 minute walk and then I'll drink water again. Yeah. Right. And that's See, why my, strat my strategy is I will literally finish my meal and then I'll drink about 30 to 40 ounces of water in between each meal mm -hmm. before I eat my next one. I found yeah. that works best, you know? Um, but that's another thing is like, uh, 
if you want to make sure you're digesting your food, choose lower volume things. So, you know, don't do a lot of potatoes. Sometimes I'll switch up veggie sources too at that point. You know, yeah. I'll have a lot of people and I'm like, they're like, I'm not hungry at all. And I'm like, well, what vegetables are you eating? And it's like broccoli and, you know, it's Brussels sprouts. I'm yeah. like, all right, let's switch that to maybe green beans, spinach, green yeah. beans and zucchini or spinach. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I'm, I'm definitely hungry again. I can actually put down more food. It's just watching a little bit of everything and then timing. Like we said, the nutrient timing comes back to gaining weight too. Mm -hmm. um, it's super important because if you're sitting there trying to fit all your meals in in a strategy where it's like you got two gigantic meals and then two meals are smaller and you're like, oh, I can't get these two gigantic meals in. Well, it's like, why don't you add some of the food from those two gigantic meals and put it into the other meals yeah. so that's easier to get in? I do find with gaining weight, it's better to split things up a little bit more evenly. Yes. And whenever I'm trying to lose weight, I position nutrient timing a lot better around training to keep the performance levels up. Yeah, yeah. When you're eating a ton of food, your performance levels are going to be up regardless, or they it should, should be. be. Yeah, and yeah. at that point, it's just about digestion. It's about keeping digestion as efficient as humanly possible because like we've said before, you can eat all the food in the world, but if your body's not processing it, you are wasting time and money and energy chewing, right? So it's a game of just evenly distributing it. The only thing that I really change, like like we've talked about around training, a little bit less protein, a little bit less fiber, a little bit less fat, just so food is moving quickly. But throughout the rest of the day, meal one, two, and five, usually quantity-wise, calorie-wise, macronutrient-wise are all roughly about the same, right? Very steady pace. You know, meal, my last meal still, even for me, like in the off-season, might have less carbs and just more fats. But that's just, you know, the what we yeah. found works for me. So yeah, that that's my strategy is um I'm big on high carb, low fat. Mm -hmm. Um I whenever I whenever I start trying to grow though, I found if I add in more fats, it's a lot easier for me to get it in. Yes. Yeah. Um, which in turn, you know, that that's stuff like we can add in butter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very gold grass fed butter. Um oils, avocado oil and coconut oil are probably my two favorites. Mm -hmm. Um Peanut butter is always an easy one. You know, you can throw that into a meal. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of some other ones that I've really used. You know, fats are probably one of my favorite things, though. I mean, they make food taste better. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so many calories. You can load them up so quick. Like, if you really want, I remember <laughs> there was times wherever I was, uh, my one of my meals, dude, this is kind of the nastiest thing. I think you saw me do this one time when you were at my house, but it was when I was blending up the chicken. Oh, the chicken shakes. So I would blend up 10 ounces of chicken shredded with um chicken broth mm -hmm. and then i would add cream of rice into there as my rice because it was already granulated and easy to blend up together and then yeah. on the side because i was worried the oil wasn't all getting in and i was getting stuck to the cup i would fill up a shot glass with like 20 grams of avocado oil and i would drink it on the side so to all those people who say they want it real bad if you aren't willing to do that, you don't fucking want it real bad. Yeah. And I have people say it's nasty, but that's what it took me to get to weights where I'm not supposed to be. Because listen, like I'm 5'4 and I get up to 210 pounds. I'm supposed to be naturally like 145 or 150 pounds. Yeah. So I'm realistically 50 to 60 pounds heavier than my body wants me to be. And to get to these certain points where we want to be to be competitive in the sport, this goes for male and female. Sometimes you have to do some stuff that you really don't want to do. You, you, um, you have to emotionally detach in a certain regard to food. Yeah. You, you, you which, have to. 
Yeah, and it, it's it's very temporary. You know, I was getting to that point for my maybe like three or four weeks I was doing that. And mm-hmm. it's not every time I grow, but I'm not, like you said, I don't have a big appetite. I, I you, you, you grew up in a part, place where you were like, I put all my food down, no problem. Yeah. For me, it takes me sometimes 45 minutes to eat a meal. Mm-hmm. And for 10 ounces of chicken and two and a half cups of white rice, that's going to take me two hours. And by the time I finish that meal, I'm going to have to eat another one in two hours. So for me, blending that up made it easier in my time schedule. Yeah. My, my mom says that I eat like a foster child. Um, if that says anything, I have that issue. You know what I mean? Like I remember growing up, dude, like my mom would like make all of her, fix all of our plates up. She'd be the last one to fix hers. I would sit down. I'd have my first plate done before she even sat down and I'd be getting up, getting seconds. And I'd usually be done with thirds before everybody else was done with their food. Dude, right. It's funny because my mom always told me I eat like a bird. <laughs> so it's like the opposite spectrum. You know, I'm like pecking at my food and then I'll sit there and leave it and I'll come back and like peck at it again. And it's a struggle because I do feel like with like bodybuilding, if you want to really go far, you do have to be able to eat. But it makes me think of people like uh, you see when people are making fun of Hunter Labrada for his diet. Yeah. But I'm like, it works for him. You know, he's drinking eight, nine, ten scoops of protein a day and he's doing like a, he's blending up his meals and drinking pretty much all of them. Yeah. But he's also 280 something pounds. Yeah. It's like, I've, yeah, he's a big man. It's going to take a lot. Again, it's, that's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Like you have to learn ultimately what's best for you and what you operate on. And like, that's why we say like no two diets are the same because no two people are the same and it works for him. Yeah. At a certain point, I'm all about get the food down however you can. Yeah. Whatever you're comfortable with. If I have your meal in there and it's like, if it's like oats and uh, egg whites and berries and peanut butter, blend it up i don't i don't give a shit yeah i I do the same thing sometimes my breakfast is literally i'll put 10 egg whites in a a blender and i'll put a bunch of oats in there my blueberries a banana some peanut butter and some more scoops of protein Mm -hmm. and i blend that up as the egg whites is the base and i'll drink that yeah like last off season when when my schedule got changed when i was running the dog rescue and everything like a lot of times i only had like my post-workout meal and last meal I had to combine them. So it was like, but it worked because my last meal of the day was like yogurt and berries and granola and almond butter. And then my meal previous was a shake and cream of rice. So I would just blend all of that together and just drink a fat, huge shake before I went to bed. And that's just what we had to do to get me up to like 250, you know? Um, But those are just some tips and tricks, guys. Like obviously, you know, you know, communicate with your coach. And they'll be able to work around everything. That's what we yeah, do. That's the truth. If you tell me exactly what's going on or why you can't get a meal in or when when you can't like I have I have guys of course that work at factories all day and you know, sometimes it's hard for them to get a whole food meal in. And mm-hmm. I I remember I used to work at a factory myself and yeah. What I had to do is I had to sometimes tell them I was going to take a smoke break and even when I don't smoke, and I'd sit there and chug a shake real quick for five minutes and I'd come back. Yep. It, it, you got to be able to work around these things. And if you communicate with your coach and tell them how your schedule is, they can better help you. If you want it bad enough, you'll do it. You'll do whatever yep. it takes right at the end of the day. So, um, I think that covers really everything on this one. We'll definitely continue to dive into the subject as I think there's plenty more to discuss. Um, but in the meantime, we do love and appreciate all you guys. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us. It is like, I continue to say the coolest thing ever. 
Um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please reach out to either of us via Instagram. Um, please leave us a five-star review uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate the feedback. And Tyler, do you have any other tidbits of wisdom? Uh, one second. I'm trying to... I'm going to try to play the sound of this bird real quick. Please. All right. This is what we'll end on. You hear it? No. Hold on. Let me see. I think it's got, I think you have noise cancellation on your. Nothing. That's crazy. I think it's because it's too, literally too loud. It sounds horrible. Yeah. Noise removal. Optimized for all voices. Huh. Look it up, know. guys. Yeah, yeah, look up White Bellbird. Listen to the world's loudest bird call because it's definitely worth it. It is. Watch. It's, it's going to be on there that this whole time. We're going to listen back to this, and it's going to be like a, a piercing <laughs> screech. <laughs> Just appalling, yeah. So if that happens, guys, we are so sorry. But <laughs> anyways, thank you for listening to the Modcast. Until next time.